Welcome to this episode of the Bruisers Podcast. I'm Dave Foreman. Bruisers Podcast is brought to you by Rizzo Insurance. Today I'm joined with Round Barn Brewing now. I think you guys are adding that to the list of uh, winery, uh, distillery, brewery, mm-hmm. um, yep. artisan, everything kind of almost. Um, so Malcolm and then uh, the man, the original, coming back. The cock of the walk, people. Don't ignore the fucking sweatshirt because it is baller. Um, but <laughs> Alan Miskowski, welcome Thank you, back Dave. to the Bruiser. Thank yeah. you. And this so. this sweatshirt is made by Melissa, our now executive producer of these shows. Please don't flex out of that because uh, <laughs> I need some attention. This podcast. It's okay, about me, done. okay? Once you come, I think in. it's about Round Barn. You know, I mean, it is about Round Barn, but you're coming. You're stealing a lot of thunder already, so. That sweatshirt is just looking way too, way too good on you. But anyway, we'll focus back on Mel. <laughs> He's like, what did I just sign up for? We talking about sweatshirts or uh, we talk about, but uh, you've been added to the mix of what's been happening there. And uh, you're our first guest from Michigan that has graced oh, cool. uh, the airwaves here at uh, local 219. So, nice. um, you know, just a little bit about you, your background and what you're doing over at round Barn that you guys are coming sure. in in Northwest Indiana. Yeah. Um, well, I've been in the brewing industry since 2012, and I've been brewing at Round Barn since 2016. Uh, Round Barn's been making beer uh, since 2008 or so. They're um, constantly evolving. Like yeah, well, never, never uh, ready to stay. Just like you know. Well, we've definitely changed a lot about how we brew beer um, in the last couple of years, where we have brought a lot of focus and attention to using local agricultural ingredients. Uh, we, stay, we try to stay focused because on the, we try to stay focused on the local hops because they're grown um, all around us uh, in Baroda. There's a hop yard like less than a mile away from the brewery. And uh, actually I'm going over there next week to harvest hops with the Hophead Farms crew for our harvest ale. And our harvest ale is a wet hop uh, ale. Marzen. Uh, it's actually not a Marzen. It's actually mm-hmm. like a house. Our usually usually uses our house ale, but it's a wet hop beer with Cascade hops that we use um, our hop back. It's like a unique tank that you just like throw the hops in and then throw your hot wort on top of it. Extract all the oils from that fresh plant material and then put it through the heat exchanger. And so have you all tank. been like um, into the collaborations, or could this be like one of your first? Well, we've co- done some collaborations. collaborations. Um, I'm, I'm definitely open to collaborating with a lot of the local brewers. Um, there's a lot of us in Southwest Michigan, and we all like to work together. You know, it's definitely a, a community before the competition. Uh, we all like to sh- share hops, trade hops. Let's just uh, edit that one straight out. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> it's just our ghost. He's here. He hangs yeah. out sometime. And then uh, Gorilla, Gorilla Tape is shit. <laughs> So we, uh, um, I definitely work uh, or, or try to work with uh, local brewers, but you know, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all, we're all presenting beers to the public. And uh, so we, we share the, as most as we can. And then we, we kind of, and we brew together, you know, and then, and then we all kind of have to like knuckle down for the summertime as we get through the season. And then, you know, by the end of it, we're all um, back to working together again. So yeah. Um, Southwest Michigan has a lot of, well, just Michigan in general has a lot of breweries. And um, so there's a lot of reason for, for people to come to Southwest Michigan. You know, any one brewery, uh, any one group that comes to visit a brewery, like we all benefit from that. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's kind of like it started as the wine road a little yeah, bit. And sure. I think you guys were like the first stop on the wine road. Yep. And that's how I found out about Round Barn. And then uh, there was this great blues band playing there. And then... I tasted uh, some spirits you guys had done and mm-hmm. I was like and it was just this thing of like an urgency for constantly evolving yeah. and not just being known as the winery so 
it kind of knew and like there was i don't know if it was insider information probably not but there was like talks of at that time when i first found out about you guys about four years ago uh there may be a brewery happening here you know right. something like that but yeah. uh it's cool to see how far it's come and like now that being able to taste some stuff from you guys and you coming into a saturated market of northwest indiana um you know what is your what's your game plan like how do you plan plan to attack this uh, saturated market of northwest Indiana that well has? it's a fair question um you know there's lots of beer everywhere and a lot of it is really good yeah and you know the the that's a great question to ask like why is my beer why does my beer stand up to everyone else's um one of the things that as i was kind of saying before you know we really like to focus on our local suppliers right so that we i really like to talk a lot about the terroir of michigan which is a word that we we talk about with wine a lot which is how geography and region affect the flavor of the crops and how different parts of the world the same hops or same malts or barley i should say um, is grown in different regions but geography has a major effect on flavor and so the flavors that come out of Michigan are unique to Michigan. And the hops that we grow that are two miles from the brewery that go into the Michigan Common Ale that has malts from Traverse City is going to taste completely different than the crystal hops that I buy from Yakima Chief that come from the Pacific Northwest. Right. So those flavors are more passion fruit flavors and um, citrus flavors and then the crystal hops that I get from Hophead Farms that's grown right by the brewery is uh, more melon notes and cantaloupe flavors and slight notes of lemon so and, and, and herbal as well. So it's just like a lot of different stuff. That's one of the reasons why we switched to Willamette hops grown in Pawpaw, Michigan, as opposed to Willamette hops grown in Willamette. Because the hops that are grown in Pawpaw, Michigan are local. We get them, they're grown 40 miles from the brewery, so it's a very local terroir. Right. And um, it suits our Kolsch better, and our Kolsch is, a, is our best-selling product. It's literally like 80% of the brewery's revenue. It has a huge impact in Southwest Michigan. I'm really like pleased with the success of that beer because we can really like use up to 600 pounds of local hops every year through that beer. It's awesome. And yeah, it's a, a great contribution to the local agriculturalist. So the Hophead Farms guys and I, like we, I really like working with them because excuse me, because they always throw me samples. They're always like, here's an ounce of this, and here's an ounce of that, and here's an ounce of this. Try it, you know? And so we're brewing a Marzen, which I think you brought up earlier, which has malt from Great Lakes Malting Company. It's that time also of year for that. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're doing a November Fest, our, our event, not October Fest, November Fest. Yeah. And it's at the brewery, it's in the pub, or in, at the public house in the parking lot. And we're gonna have 16 beers it's like a german beer festival type of thing but november fest and uh, marzen is one of them and all the products that are going to be out have local malts local hops um, they really showcase that local michigan flavor and so this marzen has malts from great lakes malting company and then grungeist tops that are grown by hophead farms and uh, some local hops that were grown uh, so it's it's a really nice opportunity for us to work together with those folks and then also like tell the story and say this is why our beer is cool because we really support these local people and in the meantime we're doing conventional styles authentic styles you know i'm still gonna brew an english bitter with english malts and i can i'm lucky because i have all reverse osmosis water so we can tool the water chemistry to a specific region of the world so i can pH make levels yeah you know, keep yeah them sane, exactly right? that's and awesome just, and so we can change flavor based off of that yeah we can do something authentic we can do something that's right for the style and then if i want to be creative i can say cool we can adjust the water how we want or we can use local malts or we can use so on and so forth so it's that's really awesome. fun so yeah you're getting you're able to pull from like this great local agriculture to kind of like um i don't know market what's going and just make it bigger and yeah that's great because like people have been um you know i've i've seen the marketing and like the industry from locally and like the green bushes and your journeymen and stuff like that yeah. um but i think that you guys hold like this different type of draw because um you have you're kind of like an all-in-one stop yep it's an for artisan sure. um 
uh, winery and you have spirits and you have uh, artisan um, beer now and then uh, also the food and then the mm. music has always been something that I was always drawn to because um, you've always had great acts there like blues nights and stuff like that so uh, it's cool to see the progression of what's happening and the understanding of somebody that's like I don't want to just be known as like this winery and yeah. that's it uh, because you guys have definitely put yourself on the map and people are noticing here. So, And it's somewhere that people in the region have always kind of, it's the first stop on the wine tour, you know? Yeah. And to have it be beer now, too, it's it's kind of like you're getting the best of both there. So The Morsh's, uh, the, fam- the Morsh family that started and founded Round Barn and, uh, you know, 25 years ago when the winery was, was first um, developed and all the products were first starting to be, be developed and we started drawing attention to ourselves and then over the last 25 years the Morshes have really built uh, Round Barn into something that's like kind of a giant in the area in, in southwest Michigan and, and as you say it's like a one-stop shop for people to come and get um, beer, uh, spirits, wine for sure which is our main revenue stream Yeah, and uh, you know that's something that they were never shy about trying new things. They were never shy about wanting to like experiment with a, something that might not sell. Um, you know, where there's a lot of stories about products that were created and then discontinued because they wanted to do something different or new. And then, you know, it might have taken off or it might not have. And, you know, their only way to know is to try. Yeah. So I am lucky because I, when I work with Matt, who's uh, currently the CEO, Matt Morrish, and he's... Um, he and I, he's my direct, direct boss, and so he and I talk a lot about beer, and we talk a lot about how the brewery is going. And um, one of the things that I always find is that he is extremely supportive of new projects, new concepts, new ideas, new innovations that we're doing that we haven't done before, and taking in feedback from our, our customer base and saying, you know, oh, folks are interested in this. What do we say? Oh, how can we try this? Can we try that? That's part of the reason why we developed the Lake Michigan Light. Which is our, um, you know, four percent light blonde Session, ale, yeah. super sessionable, crushable yeah. beer. I always call it the lawnmower beer. Yeah, you know, sure. it's like one of those. Um, you know, you take it, it's, it. We canned it, so of course you can take it to, to Lake Michigan, or you can take it anywhere. And um, you know, we he he. It was something that people wanted. It was what our guests were like asking for. Well, it's crazy. So he asked me to trend, develop it, and that we did. Trend kind of fly like completely took a 180 like from people yeah. wanting that like double ipa yeah. like the hearty maltiness of like a strong ale or something like that and then completely the next summer wanting like something sessionable is right. like there may have been like a few duis that had something new <laughs> right that. yeah <laughs> at that point it's like well i can't sit at the brewery and drink like these eight percenters right. all day every day and Even we have those you know smooth, but yeah. that brewery is fantastic <laughs> yes we've, we've got those you know i mean right now the electric fence that i have on tap is a double IPA it's nearly 9% yeah. you know I just tasted our catharsis yesterday Straight sleeper is, just like people just stand up and <laughs> yeah. they're like can I get a coffee before yeah. I leave it's a that's it's a big one you know but at the same time we have the 4% and we also have you know we have a couple different varieties that are in, in kind of in between um, so we have something for everyone as far as beer and one of the things that I really I don't try to limit myself to a specific style or specific variety. In my opinion, everything that's in, that's available in my toolbox is something that we should use and try. That's great. So, so let's. You, don't, you let's, don't just have a hammer in your toolbox. You're right. Just rocking. I'm not just brewing yeah. IPAs. I'm not just brewing one type of beer. Um, you know, not that a lot of breweries will really do that. You know, there's some people that like really specialize, but um, you, you got to have those keep the lights on things too. Yeah, you know, which like is what are, we do. The Kolsch's are are definitely our main keep the lights on beer, and it's something that. Really, we're really lucky to have that one because it's our propagator for yeast in the brewery. So every every batch of beer that is brewed comes off of a Kolsch. And every time I brew a Kolsch, I can brew two beers, right. sometimes three beers. Right. So Kolsch is something that, like, as as long as that is is moving through the brewery, we can keep brewing. That's awesome. So, yeah. I've got a couple questions. Yeah. Uh, first one is, is um, what, did, what as a brewer, um, when it comes to the misperception of people going to your... Uh, round barn establishment as a winery um, how important is you to like change that perspective into a brewery and then what is your impact regionally uh, in this area in particular with round barn well um, 
what I would say about the perception is that um, Round Barn Winery has succeeded for a long time as the winery and as the you know main vineyard location where you can get great music events, you can get um, you know wine tastings, beer on tap, spirits, oh, yeah. like you said. But I, I actually, when I talk, when I think about the perception of the the beer, I kind of try to guide people to the public house because that's where we actually brew beer and that's where we actually showcase. We have 20 taps, you know, and we have new releases every month. Uh, this month I have three new releases. We have our local yokel Belgian Blonde Ale, pumpkin ale, of course, which is our spice pumpkin ale. It's delicious. And How do you then, feel about that as a brewer? Let's just I'm, pump the brakes on that one right now. Okay. Well, <laughs> if, for one, the pumpkin ale was one of the first recipes I ever brewed uh, as a as a home brewer years ago when I first taught myself how to brew beer and it was terrible it was like the worst beer I've ever brewed in my entire life <laughs> and then when I became head brewer one of the first recipes I ever wrote as head brewer was this pumpkin ale recipe it was like my way of redeeming myself from that horrible experience and um, <laughs> so we brewed this pumpkin ale and it just like took off everybody loved it and part of the reason why I like it is because it suits the season and um, you know you can only have it for so long before you're ready to move on to the next beer but um, I personally have always loved pumpkin ales, but I'm a person that I'm very hard pressed to find a beer that I won't like. So the reason I don't like beer is when it's not fermented correctly or when the brewer like chose to make weird creative choices. But <laughs> beyond that, the transfer, um, the carbonation, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah. But beyond that, like I'll like pretty much every beer that I try. It's just about, um, whether or not it's, um, you know, whether or not there's a fermentation flaw or something like that. that's where I think about beer when it comes to like my favorite style. Usually it's what I'm working on. It's usually it's the recipe that I'm, I'm writing or making. So like pumpkin ale at the time was my favorite recipe. It was my favorite style. I'm like, I'm down to brew pumpkin ale. And then, you know. <laughs> that, if that's all you're sticking with. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm down with Marzins that. are great. Oktoberfests are great. But pumpkin ale does really well for us in Southwest Michigan because no one else makes one. They all make Marzins and Oktoberfest. So when I bring pumpkin ale to, to uh, festivals for like beer fests and things, it just like kills it like people just love that and it's a spiced pumpkin ale it's got lots of really great characters and it's got you know we age it with vanilla bean like i gotta try a, this it's I'm, an awesome I'm, beer i'm in on this yeah so and I'm then not, also i'm releasing uh broda sessions which is our annual uh session ale it's 4.9 percent and it's uh made with a lot of big sea hops centennial cascade citra um so but what i'm you were kind of asking about different locations and the perception and for me, I try to guide people to the public house because I brew beer at the public house. It's where I work every day. Um, you know, I think about the winery, but for the main part, I think about the pub. And the, the beer that goes on tap there is also the beer that's on tap at other locations. But we really put on the specialties, like Black Magic is our chocolate raspberry stout. And it tastes like, just like a raspberry gear deli square. It's just a really good dessert beer. And other beer that was released last month. The Michigan Common is one that we only have on at the pub, and that's my special beer that I brewed with. I brew. I usually brew those types myself, where like all Michigan malts, all Michigan hops, yeast that comes from Michigan. So it's like really focused on the terroir, and um, so I like to be part of that because I like to taste the malts, I like to smell it, I like to be part of the whole process. And that beer that goes on tap at the public house is really special to me, but it doesn't go on it at the other properties. So. Um, I really try to guide people to the pub because that's where, if, you're, if we're going to talk about perception, that's the brewery. And the winery is the winery. And that's what they do over there. They make wine. So, um, and we have beer on tap at the winery, but we have like six beers on tap. It's kind of like to make people, like to have people who don't really want wine to provide them with beer and then really talk about the beer experience at the public house. Well, you have at the public house, you have like a downstairs level that was like the common area. Then you have an upstairs level. Uh, right? Actually, we just have the downstairs area. Okay. Um, just our upstairs areas, like our offices and stuff. Gotcha. Um, we have a patio. That might be what you're thinking of, which is like our, we have an indoor area and then we have like the outdoor patio. And then, um, Actually, that's usually where we do the beer dinners. So like six months out of the year, uh, starting next month, actually, third Thursday of the month, we usually do a paired dinner. And uh, Ryan, the chef, and I um, will talk for months about the theme and about what beers we're brewing. And then he'll re write recipes based off of our trials. We usually trial everything at least twice before we present it to the public. And um, 
So he'll be there as part of the tasting, of course. And we talk about what recipes he's working on, like what kind of dish he's going to make. So like next, next month is our Session Ales beer dinner. Where I've got a really nice beer coming called the Prohibition Lager, which is brewed with six-row malt and flaked maize. And very traditional American lager that was brewed prior to Prohibition. And so something that's historical and authentic that we like try to brew for the Session Ale beer dinner. And then, uh, you know, Lake Michigan Lights featured at that one. Following month, we'll have a cider dinner. We do some hard ciders, so we like to do like a gluten-free option. And then we've got Christmas ales, a night of IPAs. Um, we've also got uh, beers of Asia, mm. which I'm really excited about because I've got that. I think I was telling you about the Jingdao flower hop, which comes from Asia. I'm really excited about using that. Yeah, and then yeah. um, ancient ales in April. So we have like a whole lineup of beer dinners that we just like really focus on the quality of the beer. And the brewers and I really like we just geek out about the recipes and we geek out about so like, like ancient recipes like the old school like three so yeah like what's yeah. that what's that recipe where like we all chew the hop and then we <laughs> yeah. also the grain yeah we're and not doing we that one spit it out <laughs> something yeah that's I'm some in, like Amazonian kind of yeah. thing yeah. Yeah. that's the type of like <laughs> and, and Dogfish Head is like really popularized the ancient ales which is part of the reason why I'm interested in it too because I've read like the guy the anthropologist that has been working with Dogfish Head he wrote a book called. Um, ancient ales or ancient brews and uh so there's all kinds of really interesting anthropological evidence for beers that were made like 5,000 years ago that you can recreate without using hops but using things more like peppers and cocoa nibs and spruce and there's a lot um, of agriculture that's available now that wasn't available then sure it's not the same genetic makeup of what it was and for me like those old recipes are awesome like uh the old sour recipes i think yep. sours and um those type of like openly fermented uh, recipes were some of the oldest five thousand years old for sure thousand years old and but the complexity of what you're doing now with the uh, sessionables mm-hmm. and like people thinking that like oh it's just a lager oh it's just a pilsner right. and oh it's just like a czech pilsner oh. Like, yeah oh, oh. oh oh but it's uh it, there's a lot of there's a lot of time put into those and like a lot of uh, hard work and it's just as complex as any other recipe so um the people know that it's it's not just as easy but brown barn brews about we really i'm I'm not i'm not exaggerating when i say we brew like 100 recipes a year if not more um we we brew we trial a lot we do a lot of small batching and uh, a lot of the small batches, I would say 70% of them never get presented to the public. Well, and you, you have like the biggest cheerleader in your, in your distributor because like they're all about you guys. Yeah. And like, you got to get these guys on. You got to talk to this person. You got to like that's cool. pick their brain. So that's pretty, I think you guys are in, the, in good hands right now. It's been a now. really great partnership for us. For sure. Yeah. And um, they, I think they have your best interest in what's going on right now. So. Well, speaking it, of this region, I've been hearing, uh, this is like a little bit of a hot take. I've been hearing that you guys might be buying out the Paco Brewing section. Have you heard anything of that? Uh, I haven't heard anything like that. You, you pull in some insider information. That's, that's right inside now? information. I, I feel like I've heard at least out of left field. Sorry, I haven't heard He's anything. He's got nothing like that. to say on nothing. this. Yeah. Nothing. Wow. Sorry. I wish we had more information on that one, but uh, no, no go on that. Well, one. David Paco, he's an awesome guy. And have you have you met him before? I haven't. No. Uh, really good dude. Um, Twenty-three. And, and, That's and, it. And 23 we, minutes. It's only been. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. And uh, ideally, like, he's been doing a lot of stuff recently that's been trying to, like, expand out. And then the rumor was that, like, there was this Michigan brewery that was coming in to try to, like, really kind of ingratiate their kind of impression into this area. Oh. And the rumor was you guys. Oh, no, I haven't heard time. anything like that. <laughs> so, yeah sorry well i know I, me- I mentioned it earlier too like for me it's really it really is fascinating because you guys are living in a unique space um ideally like you guys made a lot of your credibility on wine mm-hmm. and so i've been i've been at your place i spent i think i spent my 30th birthday party uh at your at, at your place nice and it was really awesome it's great experience 29 Come yeah on. and it was awesome um but at the end of the day, it seemed like the beer was a side note to what you guys were doing there as a group. And what have you guys made from a changes perspective to kind of like bring the beer more to the forefront? Well, um, over the last couple of years, um, we the the things the the selection at the at the winery has changed 
to really reflect uh, those seasonal varieties that you can't usually get. Like before we were, before at the um, winery, we were mostly doing like Kolsch, Hop Dealer, Vacation, like a lot of the classics, which we still do. But we kind of expanded our draft list a little bit so we could really showcase a little more about what the brewery is specifically about. So we now rotate more of the seasonals through. So Pumpkin Ale, for example, is going to go on tap in all the locations. Um, Broda Sessions is going to go on tap. Local Yoko is going to go on tap at these different properties. So that we can really show those, those consumers that come to that area but kind of miss out on the pub that, we can, um, that we're making these new seasonals all the time. And then uh, as far as the perception, you know, for me it's, it's been about trying to bring out, again, more of the local agricultural hops, trying to bring out more of the malts that we get from Traverse City. Like I also work with uh, Craft Cultures in the Upper Peninsula, so it's like a specific yeast lab that we work with. And then we've done a lot of stuff that's, that's um, like I'm not opposed to working with farmers from Indiana. Like we've still got, I think it's Sugar Creek Malting Company from like Macon, Creek area that um, has sent us a lot of smoke malts that we've tried. Um, so there's a lot of different um, local agriculture that we're going to pursue and that we have been pursuing. And I think that sets our brewery apart because we're not just getting like the cheapest base malt that you can get. Um, we we are using um, specialty malts in our Kolsch, things like that. Um, so when it comes to like how things have changed, for example, I think that the brewery is starting to become, I mean, the public house itself is like definitely been doing so much better with some of the beer dinners that we've done. We also have the November Fest. The Battle of the Brewers is a, is a huge um, um, and really fun event for us in the spring. So like we've really brought more focus onto beer, participating in more festivals, participating, creating our own festivals. I think at the estate also one of the things that we've done is we've done the bacon and beer festival that was at the winery so we that was like kind of a tie-in like you've been you're like kind of asking about with bacon and beer yeah ever we did a lot of (laughs) breakfast beers we did uh coffee blonde ale um we did the earl gray tea earl gray pale ale which is one of my favorites um a classic that we did uh when i first became head brewer and then um what else we did uh oh maple jack brown which is the winner of the battle of the brewers which was a maple syrup porter uh, or brown ale and uh, so we had a lot of breakfast beers that were pretty and then it was just like paired with a bunch of bacon dishes it was really so fun so fall is your so favorite time of year yeah. basically <laughs> as well, a brewer hey we're coming into uh, some really interesting beers right now because you can get Bach beers you can get Doppelbox you know, Marzins you can get Oktoberfest now we're going to go into stout yeah, season soon Oktoberfest started so. hitting the beginning of this week uh, pretty normal yeah. I think they, I, they hit like what two weeks early this year because of what's yeah. going on I think um, it was a little early on the uh, drop for the Oktoberfest, but I guess it moves with the season. So um, my favorite is uh, the thing that got me into the malted browns and that kind of sweet maltiness was the uh, Doppelbox and the uh, the Marzins. For sure. And it was that, that wet hop and it was like, I'm never going to like barley wines. I'm yeah. never going to like those like that, that style of beer. It's yeah. just too terrible, like of a pal, like for me. And then eventually, like my palate changed, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I could taste that sweetness and like that sugar. And for me, it was just like, oh man, this is like a whole different thing I can get used to, you know. And then I found out how strong they are. Yeah, <laughs> and then you find that out like, pretty quick. Yeah, you can't, you can't <laughs> drink as many of those as as you, as you're used to drinking on the sessionables. Right. But uh, that's awesome that you get to kind of. Um, I don't know, kind of like go with what's happening, the trends and kind of follow and being encouraged by your boss and who's uh, who's helping you out with funding that all that. That's pretty cool that you get to follow those trends and uh, yeah. don't We're, really have uh, the handcuffs on that some people could have. Ron Barn's uh, pretty good about staying on top of the market trend. We have some pretty good sales reps and we have some pretty good, including myself, people who like research the market and try and pay attention to what's trending. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of resources out there for brewers, um, magazines and periodicals and other publications where you can find out what's going on, what, what other brewers are selling, what, what is succeeding in the, in the market in America as well as the market in Michigan. Um, and being that we're Michigan Brewers Guild members, we have been since we started brewing beer you know, years ago, and we we get those every every I think quarter of the year they send their reports, and every uh, year every they send their total news, their total like 
you know, actual report on barrel, barrels produced from every brewery in Michigan and also like each brewery is listed. So you kind of see how the industry has grown. So, you know, it's and simply you your first uh, significant corporate buyout um, last week uh, with Founders. Yeah. So Founders had the first significant buyout in Michigan history, uh, one of the biggest. And uh, I mean, like that, I it's hard for me because um, I see what has been happening with um, the product, like, like the founders and what's happening with their barrel program and and Dogfish and how right. and well, Dogfish is Connecticut, uh, Vermont, Delaware. somewhere other. I think they're Delaware. Yeah, Delaware. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's but to see like the first Michigan brewery like kind of. Uh, be bought out by this conglomerate is it i mean it's well received though i mean founders has worked hard for what they are and yeah. but they have suffered and like it had shown from their uh, barreling program in the last couple of years not that the, they weren't great they were amazing it was it was well received um there were some that i wish they would have done more um there were some that i wish they would have never done but um just to see something like that like it's already close to home like the, it's happening it's yeah. it and it's it's something that's real in the market and to see it happening in michigan is something that's like kind of cool and kind of scary at the same time well it's it's been happening and also it has i mean founders is a big name for us you know and we remember that name now but um brewery conglomerates have been buying up breweries since the 80s since the 70s stroh's yeah. You know, it was one of those that got bought up by, I can't remember who it was, it was like the Miller Coors conglomerate, I think. I mean, back in the 80s and early 90s, a lot of breweries were getting bought up right. by just one conglomerate. And it's one of those things, they bought like every lager that you could find, or like every like baseball beer that you could find, or like every uh, small town uh, American lager that, you know, now has like been discontinued, or like everyone's grandpas can remember these beers. But, you know, it's it's part of the industry, I think it's part of, how um, the brewery industry operates. You know, after a certain point, everyone says, well, we're gonna get to a tipping point. There's gonna be too many breweries in Michigan for us to succeed. But that hasn't really happened. There hasn't, like, there hasn't really been a burst of the bubble. Each brewery just keeps doing okay, you know, and everybody, we're all succeeding together. And um, some breweries, you know, of course, some breweries don't. Some breweries can't make it, but the, a lot of breweries end up at the festivals and a lot of breweries end up staying open for longer than sometimes people think, you know, and I, I kind of, um, I give I give a lot of people who I give a lot of credit to the people who open up a brewery and then really like make a stand for their town and really make a stand for their community and like provide a place that the community needs because that's how a lot of breweries survive in Michigan and you, there's not really a lot of breweries I think they're going to be the next Bells or Founders they might you know. I mean, there's a lot of breweries that are really big in Michigan that are like really like coming up on barrel production to some of the greats Grand that Rapids, I grew up yeah. with. But um, I do think that there's something to be said about what like Ron Barn provides, which is specifically a service to Southwest Michigan and the community there. And then we're broadening our reach. You know, one of the things that I've talked with our wholesale team about is like, I have the tank space. We have the manpower. We can provide beer to a bigger network. And, and we want to. educating people that yeah. come through that aren't like... I mean, not necessarily like ready for that education, but they're getting it. And well, part of it is opening ourselves up to new markets. And that's, what I think, part of what founders did when founders, you know, years ago when they sold to part of their brewery to, uh, you know, a, a conglomerate in Spain, you know, that was uh, the first step toward opening their beer up to new markets, where I had a friend that was saying that he had just traveled in Ireland and he could find founders beer on tap. And I was like, that's cool. Good for Michigan, man. Like, good for Michigan Brewery, like, to be able to get out there and, like, I would want to travel to Ireland and find founders. I think that would be a thrill. I would, I would, I think that that's, um, you know, the industry is changing. It's cool that Founders has done what it's done, and now they're making the next step. And either, you know, the fans can like it or not like it, but, like, they have to do it for their business. They have to do it. They have to do it because the industry well, has moved no them in this direction. It's more of a, it's somebody else's now. Right, you know? exactly. It's no longer that, uh, yeah. that market yeah. than that that it was yeah. um but like for me um i think they did the right time and yeah. and the move they made um if i was the person pulling the trigger on that one it would have been what it was because right. i've seen a decline in what's happening with founders and like everything that's going like their kbs was phenomenal the last like the year before last kbs or cbs coming back and then like now 
um, I think everybody kind of knew when CBS came and like they announced the 12 ounce bottles that there was something crazy going sure. on because um, that's a loss on any brewery if they're going to start bottling 12 ounce bottles of CBS. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. I mean, uh, well, I've, so. got a, I've got a question too. You mentioned uh, Bell's and Founders as like two breweries who are doing it right. Are there any other ones that you'd like to kind of like make notion of? Yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of breweries that um, I really admire in Michigan, and some of them are smaller and a little less known because I I really like the brewers that work there who care a lot about um, what they're doing and care a lot about um, the quality. Uh, You know, there's, it's really difficult at the mid-level size to, to put out good beer that's consistent so it's it's you really need to know a lot about quality and you need to really care about like the science element so like mid-level breweries that really produce good level good beers i i think are are like arbor brewing company is doing a great job with a lot of their brews they're um in on the east side of the state um and then you've also got jolly pumpkin which has like a classic um michigan brewery that has been around for a long time that's really focused on sours and really focused on um, you know their uh, farmhouse ales and things like that. And where just, are they based out of? Because I've never heard that. Uh, wow. Jolly Pumpkin, yeah, yeah. Jolly Pumpkin is based out of um, Traverse City, but they have multiple locations. They're another one that they're part of a, another brewery conglomerate that's at a smaller level, awesome. where they also own awesome. uh, what's the other one that they own? North Peak brewing company and so every time you go to jolly pumpkin you can also get the north peak beers and so there's like the world yeah it's just like you know it's it i think it's a pretty normal thing for breweries to join forces i think it's a pretty normal like whether or not the consumer base takes it takes it a certain way it is something that's been happening for a long time and i mean part of the reason why heineken is so successful and has you know 80 brewing facilities across the entire world is because they partnered with asian breweries and they partnered with uh european breweries and they partnered with canadian breweries and they partnered with american breweries to get heineken everywhere and it's a 200 year history for a brewery that also has like a major footprint across the entire world is there anything wrong with that well they control a lot of interests and they control a lot of resources but they did that they made a huge brewery that 200 years in the making right and yeah that's exactly what, and founders is part of that legacy that one day 150 years from now might be something that we i mean anticipate. bells is older and uh, bells was there they were the first kid on the block but i mean founders being the first person to pull the trigger is somebody that like that analytic was there two years ago they knew that founders had slumped off they weren't holding the um quite the what they had the year before um I think that with CBS coming back for the first time in what five years, two years prior, kind of gave them the analytic that they needed to discover that, like, maybe with the saturated market, um, they're not bringing the pool that they used to have. Yeah. And uh, that's fine. It's not that they weren't producing the quality that everybody was accustomed to because the quality was there. And that was very relevant in the 2017 KBS. Because the 2017 KBS was like just next level good. Like it, it was like that 2015 Bourbon County that they had to open early because the fucking it was too cold outside, so they had to crack all those barrels open. And that it was only they're like, oh, it's only 13 percent, but it was so good. And um, they stood behind their product. And I'll always stand behind Founders. I think Founders is uh, one of the. It was Brooklyn. It was Bell's. It was Founders. It was like that structure for the last 20 years is what's uh, grown craft breweries to what they've become. And it's given you the platform to uh, be what you're becoming right now. And um, it's great that you have the distributorship that you guys have partnered up with because um, they're all out for you, you know, like letting everybody know that you guys are coming in. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. And, um, you know, what's great is I think you're going to be very well received because so many people from Northwest Indiana are um, already taking those wine tours. And I mean, I see Snapchats every every Sunday from uh, Round Barn or like engagements at the Round Barn or something. There's all like kinds that. of activities. Yeah. We literally have something going on in five different properties yeah. every weekend. Like I don't want to really I don't want to tell my Round Barn story. It was like a drunken <laughs> just blackout. But there's lots aren't of those. Aren't they all? <laughs> so, aren't they all? Isn't yeah. every Round Barn story? And there's a vineyard there, so like I don't know how you can yeah. have more fun. It was when you so. guys first started making that orange vodka, oh, and like man. they started just like somebody was just like 
here, try this. And it was just amazing. Yeah, it, it sounds like, like... All of a sudden, I was gone. Yeah. Like, I, there was well before a brewery, but um, <laughs> I think I, I handled my own. I don't think I did anything too embarrassing, but um, the orange vodka wrecked me for a good two days. I don't think I was right for, from that, but uh, whoever made that, I'm going to need to talk to you <laughs> when I come to visit Round Bar next. Because uh, I want some, one. It's a great mixer. And then I want to know who wrecked me <laughs> in the first place. So, Malcolm, out of your background, um, where did you start? Well, I um, started having an interest in beer because I, I drank beer. But <laughs> I was in college, and um, I actually was lucky enough to do a study abroad, and I went to Prague. And I, I never really realized this, but at the time when I started like really drinking a lot of the Czech beers and stouts and lager you know european style lagers while i was there it like had a formative experience or had a formative like um impact on me and started like drawing me toward more of like these really like malty styles or rich styles or european styles that um and then i kind of after that i just like really jumped into craft beer started working in a craft beer bar and also started homebrewing at uh started homebrewing with some friends and kind of reading a lot about craft beer. And I was just finishing up college, so I was like, oh, this will be cheaper. Like, I'll brew beer. <laughs> it's not cheaper. It definitely isn't. <laughs> definitely and not. you end up spending a lot more money. And then also at the end of it, you're like, oh, I just need to go get a six pack. This tastes like shit. And uh, so there's a couple times that we, we gave beers to our roommates or our friends. Uh, they were like, it was like three and a half percent or two and a half percent under fermented, not, not anything that anyone would want to drink. And they're like, story. Hey, thanks. And they drink like four of them yeah. and drink like one IPA from founders or something. And like, yeah, I'm going to drink, you know, Centennial instead because it's a much better beer than what I just brewed. <laughs> but, um, it, I got better, you know, and, and it wasn't really because I was homebrewing. It was because, uh, someone took a chance on me and I got hired at dark horse brewing company. And at the time, plead the fifth. Uh, yep, plead the fifth was I, that was that's that's my you know blackout drunk stories plead the fifth. But <laughs> um, I uh, I started really like um, still the best uh, the best handle in the game. I know the period. shotgun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Dark Horses, um, you know, was really growing and really um, really fast paced at that time. And they also were doing the reality show. Um, you know, plead the fifth. I, I just got like a crash course for a year, a little over a year in bottling kegging um you know i brewed one small batch i think mm. you know but it was like brewing with like a professional brewer who like knew what he was talking about so i actually got a chance to like ask questions to someone who like oh that's incredible you know, so like but i was also brewing on i was also like hey like can i watch while you brew a 20 barrel batch instead of like this 20 gallon batch or 10 gallon batch so the difference five on gallon batch the differences <laughs> in scale you know like between yeah. five oh, yeah. gallons and 10 gallons to, oh, yeah. to 200 you know, gallons or 300 gallons at a time. So um, just, just box to all grain. That's yeah, a leap. That's a leap too. To go from brewing with extracts to brewing with a whole grain. Yeah. And uh, so mostly it was the physical demands. It was the constant bottling, constant kegging, constant being on your feet. That had taught me a lot about what brewery life is really like. And it's a lot harder than people think. You're it's a glor really glorified janitor. Glorified janitor. You're a glorified that's janitor that about, is yeah. required to stoop lean kneel pull drag lift all of that we you can't do you. thanks i <laughs> i that's definitely like part of the why it's a joy for me is to put in the hard work and then at the end of the day enjoy what i create and um so i i worked at dark horse and then um my my girlfriend at the time who actually is the reason i got the job there because she was working at dark horse <laughs> and um she wanted to move She's back home today she wanted to move back home to um southwest michigan and her family was from there and so we both got jobs at Greenbush Brewing Company. And I worked there for um, a little over two years and then um, I learned a lot about brewing beer. I learned a lot about cellaring. I learned a lot about packaging. I learned more in the same vein that I was already learning from Dark Horse. And uh, at that point, I also got opportunities to brew on the 15 barrel system to cover like sick days or PTO days, like people were taking time off. So they're like, Malcolm, you're up next. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm not the full-time brewer, but I'm like shadowing and getting an opportunity to hang out with the other brewers and learn a lot from them. So I, I worked there for a little while and, and um, then an opportunity kind of came up. I had heard about to brew at Round Barn 
And I had been drinking Round Barn beer since I moved into the area because I was like, well, let's check out the local breweries. And of course, it was in the grocery store right outside my house or right near my house. So I would drink Kolsch and I would drink Hop Dealer and drink Indecision Ale. Like I drank all these beers before I started working there. And uh, so I was like, cool, they're, they're hiring a brewer. Went in there, immediately got hired, immediately was put on the brew house, didn't have to wait around, didn't have to wait in line behind two other people who were waiting to be a brewer. Like immediately got the opportunity that I'd been working for and worked there for about a year or so. That's rare. And it is That's rare. super rare. That does not happen. Well, it's, you know, you, there's usually there's a line in the brewery. And he's usually there's- charismatic, right? Is it just, <laughs> he's just, his charisma, is that why? Well, I, I, it was also the experience, you know, it was just he's like, hey, flow. Like, he's got a great flow. <laughs> Thanks. It's that flock of seagulls flow. He's just rocking that. Uh, no problem. <laughs> he's pulling it out. I just heard like somebody from the back row out there <laughs> calling it sick. See? He's got a medium uh, beard, too. Like, medium I, beard. I, yeah, most brewers. I wasn't going to get rid of it, but I decided not to. Yeah, <laughs> this, uh, that's a bad move at being a yeah. brewer. You should probably grow that thing out. I have. I I'm not even a brewer. Old days, it was a huge beard, but <laughs> I go back and forth these days. But uh, so then I, <laughs> I uh, started working at Round Barn. I worked there for about a year or so. And then, again, someone took a chance on me. And there were, we were having some quality concerns. And I brought, like, a, you know, my 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 experience my research you know what i was able to say hey this is the problem this is the solution we can fix this mm. and they said do you want to be the head brewer and i was like yeah so you know it was there was a lot more that went into it but there was a great it was a great opportunity i didn't know what i really wanted at the time but when i realized that um you know they gave me creative control over the brewery they told me that i could write any recipe i wanted they told me that you know do what you need to do to get us on track and so I did. And over the last three years, it's been really rewarding and, and really like, fun. You have an ego to be. Here's your time. Well, and it's that, you know, it's like if That's you know. True, though. If, if, and so it took time, you know, breweries take time to um, really get running efficiently and well. You know, I've worked in a lot of breweries. I've seen what works and what doesn't work. I've been to um, places uh, that, you know, they're like, they tell me what they do. I'm like, oh, cool. I've never thought of that. I'm going to try that, you know? And that's part of why we're a community is because we kind of help each other grow. We share the knowledge. There's no, nothing that I know that's proprietary that only I know. You know, I'm more than happy to, to tell people what I've learned about how to make a New England style IPA or how to make a brewed IPA or how to make a pumpkin ale or whatever, you know? Like, I'm, I, I want people to, to succeed at making beer the way that, you know, I've been lucky enough to make great beer, to work with a great team that helps me succeed. And the guys that I work with, um, you know, the cellarmen and the brewers are um, just God, amazing you people. A, you haven't run across enough assholes then in this business. Well, the, the brewing industry <laughs> is, there's that. a lot yeah. of different people in the brewing you, industry. Dude. I wouldn't say that there's a lot of assholes in the brewing industry. I would just say that there's just a lot of different people, a lot, that, of, a lot of their different goals. Yeah. And, they, and what they want is to, they, they want the same thing that I want. This which nice is a guy over here. Yeah. I'm well. I got to be somewhat uh, <laughs> neutral about it. Yeah, political. But the reality is, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to put our beer on the market. Founders is do, trying to do the same thing that I'm trying to do. The difference is that now we're making a market, lot more money doing it. Well, sure <laughs> they are, but and we're trying to get are that they? same market share. Are they? That's a, but, there's uh, millies in that one. We're trying to put beer on the shelf so that we can we can show people what we're capable of and why it matters to why it matters to us that they try our beer. And for me, you know, I, I approach everything through the lens of an artist. It's a culinary approach. You, but you have to be very left-brained and right-brained to be a brewer. You have to understand the culinary side of it, and you have to understand the quality and science side of He's it. He's appeasing and masses. I've got a very, got a very artistic question for you, yeah. Malcolm. For a metaphor or analogy, who would you, as a band... Oh my God. Say that Round Barn <laughs> is at this point. This is serious business. This I don't know, a, man. That's our, a bad question our, for me because I'm, I listen to a lot of music. But okay. Like, so, like, who would you identify as Round Barn at this point? I don't know. Um, are you a Pink Floyd? Are you the Beatles? <laughs> oh, classic. Uh, what are you? Are, are you, you a modern? Dan? <laughs> Steely, Steely Dan is, work? I don't know. Steely Dan actually does make a lot of sense because. <laughs> See, I gotta get it over here. We're yeah, I want to know. I want to know what your perspective so of I your current brewery is in a band sense. So you know this guy. You, you've been there. Yes. You tell us about this guy. Okay. okay. So like, for me, um, what band is it? What band is it? She's a much better person to ask. 
I mean, it, it's hard to say a band because, like, the Beatles, come on. They're, I'm sorry, Round Barn's not the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe something like, I don't know, just like something that everybody's always... We're, cla- we're something that's classic that's constantly reinventing itself. That's what we are. Yeah. Round Barn true. is... What's that? For sure, I'm I mean, down for that. Say, David I, Byrne is I mean, awesome. Yeah, are, we, are they talking heads? Yeah, that's, you a, say that's that. a positive. And then if you're David Byrne, then you know the. You're David Byrne? No, definitely <laughs> not. Because you do do all the specialty artistic stuff yeah. that, unfortunately, a lot of brewers don't have the luxury of doing because they're just trying to like meet the market demand and make ends meet. Right, uh, and we don't just try to do what the market is asking for. We try to guide the market. We try yeah. to create beers that are terroir based and agricultural based that will help people a year from now figure out what they want to try. Because right now I'm making something that's like classic, that's also using Michigan ingredients. Right. So you're the Pearl Jam of breweries at this point. <laughs> or that too. He just wants you to be the Pearl Jam of breweries. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, be the Pearl thank Jam you, of breweries. Yeah, it's my favorite so, band of all time. Live, well, at least. Live band. This was uh, this was awesome because it was our first uh, our first look on uh, into Michigan breweries and like Thanks. your view on what's happening in Michigan and you understanding the market and what's happening in Northwest Indiana because it's not something that's like um, of course everybody needs to be educated right but this area has already been saturated and like have been getting hit with like some amazing beers there's and, like, amazing beer so, everywhere like, yeah and, I'm really surprised the Pacro stuff because I've heard like from like real sources that you guys might be moving <laughs> this guy's digging area. this guy's digging he wants some insider I'll have to text Matt and see what he says this about guy, it let me get my shovel so uh, yeah, we're you know you're right. The market give us is very some saturated. goddamn insider information. <laughs> I don't have anything. Sorry, Malcolm. Come on, buddy. No, they don't. They probably aren't bothering me with it until after they really need somebody to run the brewery. So you're like this guy's too green. We can't keep him like that. He's he's just too nice of a guy. We can't corporate take over people. <laughs> no, we you know there's I, personally I think that. Um, you know, with the market being the way that it is, and you're, it's, you're right, there's great beer everywhere, and there's a lot of um, mid-level sized breweries that are really succeeding and making great beer, and they're drawing the market share away from places like Founders, places like Bell's, bigger places that are struggling. And you know, even the bigger guys, Anheuser-Busch is dealing with the same problem, Miller Coors is dealing with the same problem. It's just at a greater level, you know, they're, they're losing their market share to all these mid-level sized people who breweries that are gaining the consumer base so and you know what please keep going towards those places please keep going towards those mid-level sized breweries because those people really need the local support and they care and the reason why they're doing it is for you for the consumer like they're not doing this because they just want to like go into debt and like make a bunch of beer they might have to dump one day (laughs) like these are people are trying to make beer for you and so like it's only you that can go out there and really help them succeed Serious. That's the way to end this. Yes. That's great. Well, That's we appreciate great. y'all yeah. coming out. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much yeah. for making this trek out here. And I know it wasn't a, a short journey, but well, hey, thank was, you for joining us. Yeah. I'm sorry that you had to endure Alan's sweatshirt over there. No, it's good. Um, it's very, very colorful. <laughs> this, is Melissa. this is Melissa's sweatshirt. I mean, Melissa's sweatshirt. It's fashionable. I'm just jealous that it looks so good on Alan and not me. So. <laughs> but, uh, Thank you to Rizzo Insurance for the sponsorship of the Bruisers podcast, and uh, we will see you all again next Tuesday. Cheers. Cheers. Who would it be?